From Nevada Public Radio, I'm Joe Shaneman at State of Nevada. The Super Bowl this weekend could draw more than 200 million viewers. And with the Taylor Swift factor added in, that number could be a record. There's no other sport that really rivals that viewership, except perhaps one. Not baseball, not basketball, not hockey or soccer. It's esports. As far back as November of 2018, the Esports League of Legends World Championship in South Korea had almost 100 million unique viewers. That was more than the Super Bowl that year. And one of the cities that's a key player now in the esports world is Las Vegas. The Luxor has an esports arena, UNLV has an esports team, and you can now gamble on esports matches in sports books. Austin Champion is the brand ambassador for the Allied Esports HyperX Arena at the Luxor. Austin, welcome to the program. Man, thank you for having us. It's very exciting times. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So I, I want to talk about the arena for a bit. Um, this opened in 2018 or, or 2019. I, I've seen both both dates online. Is this something that's used weekly? Is it monthly? Uh, how's the attendance? Is it growing? I mean, talk about the popularity of it. Oh, my goodness. So it started in 2018 is when we officially opened. And, you know, we started with events with quite a bang. It was things like Ninja and Mr. Beast, some of the biggest in the world. We had the League of Legends um, all-stars after party there. All types of huge events uh, have come through. Most recently, we've gotten to have just a, a eclectic group of top level people coming through just last night i was at an event that was uh, nfl madden uh combined effort with play versus where we had big names in football there we have these kids playing madden they had the chance to win two super bowl tickets by the end of the thing so we just from you know gaming events to just proprietary community events that we do uh, and sprinkle within our private events and things like that. It's something going on every day. So, Attendance so this, is bolstered. Yeah, this isn't like an arena like Allegiant or anything. I mean, people can go in and pay a fee and, and play there. Exactly, yeah. So we also function as somewhat of a PC cafe with the yeah. highest end capabilities. I mean, we have 4090 GPUs, this uh, i9, uh, insane new age processors that are... Uh, accompanied by 64 gigabytes of RAM. So like it's literally some of the best hardware in the Valley as well. It's better than my computer at home and I'm a tech guy. So it's like $5,000 units you can pay as a local and get double time and get down to as low as like $2 an hour for time that stays on your account forever. So it's really nice that we also can fill that void in Vegas where we have the best computers in the world and we're allowed to let people that are traveling you know, people that have young young adults that are able to just chill and do that while the parents go and do their own thing and they keep accountability hmm. and things like that. So it's well, really nice. Now, yeah, I'm a gamer and I could get into this, but uh, it, uh, real briefly, does it make that much difference when you have these really high, this really high end hardware? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'll That's, leave it at that because I got a lot of questions here. Yeah. You know, uh, you've seen sports and uh, the sports entertainment world in Vegas is growing at this really rapid pace. Is esports sharing in that growth? Are you seeing growth? We're seeing so exponential growth. I mean, and also just the amount of people that are looking to us as facilitators uh, in that space. You know, a lot more people are adding gaming tournaments into their company life, you know, so as, as a fun thing to do. We just had some clients come through that they just wanted to do a Mario Kart tournament in addition to their private event where they were just celebrating their staff on the, at the end of the holiday. So just being able to also have the best technology to be able to get gameplay from the stage to the big 50 foot LED that we have and, you know, throw casters in the booth, put the CEO and the CMO in the caster booth and let them, you know, commentate the Mario Kart tournament for their company. Like it's just all these little um, proprietary moments that we're able to cultivate from the space that we have. And yeah, we're 100% seeing uh, 
an influx of interest in what we do because of just the grandeur of Vegas now with the sports entertainment capital of the world. You know, we're, we are esports, we are sports in Vegas now, and, and that culture is really just thriving. Uh, how, how much are the sports books buying into this? I, I mean, uh, do they ever talk to you or, or talk to anybody about the handle, how much growth there is in betting on these sports? You know, honestly, that's probably the one place I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm scared money in the betting world, brothers. <laughs> that's probably good. No, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I know for sure that that's a place where a lot of influx of sustainability can come from though as we do get integrated into those sports books and people are able to have their hand in in changing their life with a 16 parlay on a League of Legends day so that could be awesome you know I know people listening to this are going to say this isn't a sport because people are sitting in chairs they're directing video characters to fight or to race or whatever in what way do you see esports as comparable to other sports it's a one hundred percent one of the most insane disciplines that you have to have. These these guys that are functioning at the highest level are between VOD review, critical analysis of what they've done and what the team is doing, where the holes in their game plan are, and then going to test that in scrimmage play, playing their own solo queue where they're just kind of playing against everybody in the world and just measuring up against them. All those moments are are taking a lot of time could to be an eight to 12 hour day. I'm sure my friend Dan, who's the team manager at uh, UNLV could speak to what a schedule looks like for some of these pro players, but it's not easy. And on top of that, it's requires a physical uh, element. You can't just be a lazy gamer with bad posture, no muscle growth, not good nutrition. You're not going to be playing at your top. Well, actually, somebody who does play in tournaments, Chantel Labajo, she's an esports player, a UNLV student, and a fighting game tournament competitor. Chantel, welcome to the program. Hello. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I that's, appreciate it. That's great to have you. So I, I really want to ask you that question first, though. Um, for, how'd you get into this? How do you see it as a sport? I mean, and talk about the rigor that goes into studying or playing or figuring out how to be the best at a game. Okay. So, um... So that was first, a lot of questions. First, oh, yeah, how did yeah, you get into oh, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, obviously. But uh, the, f- the way that I got into competitive fighting games was, I mean, it first started with me getting into fighting games when I was a kid, thanks to my dad. Um, I believe the first fighting game that I played was uh, Tekken Tag Tournament 1, and I really liked how it played. I asked my dad if we can get it. We got it, and I was hooked on fighting games since then. But I believe, for me, the first experience that got me to realize that wow, I really like playing fighting games competitively, was um, EVO here in Las Vegas back in 2012 at Caesars Palace when Mm -hmm. it was still free to enter. I had a relative that notified my mom that there was a fighting game tournament or video game tournament. And I was like, it's free. I want to go. And, you know, that was 11 years ago. Wait, you were 11 years ago. You're probably a teenager. Weren't you like nervous of of just doing horribly? The, the thing is, is that I didn't know that you could compete at that time. So oh. I only attended as like an attendee. Oh, okay. Yeah, but they had these things called casuals where you could play um, without having to compete. You could just play against other people around oh, the world okay. that are also there. But yeah, EVO 2012 was my uh, foot into the door of like competitive video games in general. And then from there, I just decided that, oh, hey, I want to compete. And as of now... Uh, my main game that I've been competing in is um, Tekken. And the newest Tekken 8 just came out not too long ago, probably a couple weeks ago. And that's what I've been focusing on. And when it comes to being able to... The, the rigor of it. Like, what, what do you yeah. do to train for this? Yeah, so a lot goes on behind it. Um, 
for me, I haven't been able to practice as much because I do have a p- internship, but I am also a UNLV student. So juggling the work-life balance alongside wanting to be a competitive player in the fighting game scene, it has been a little bit difficult. But in regards to the rigor, um, going back on what Austin has said and what he has vouched for Daniel, uh, having a schedule, just having that discipline and having a routine and just being able to know like, oh, what do I have to study? What do I need to know? With Tekken 8 just coming out, even though people are veteran players, there's a lot of new mechanics and new things that have changed for the characters. So a lot of it is a lot of studying your own character and what's changed. Um, What uh, what do you say to to older people? I don't know if people in your age group Mm -hmm. think this way, but I'm sure older people will probably say, maybe not your parents, but some older people will say, this isn't a sport. What do you say? I'd I'd say it's a sport. It it might not be physically as demanding, but the mental adrenaline and the mental ram that you need to be able to make these quick decision-making, like the quick decisions that on the spot and on the fly in fighting games, in team sports, first person shooters, even, even, um, digital card games. I, it, it still takes a lot of mental stack from you. So like I said, if without the physicality mental, it's, it's a lot. And I remembered seeing like a research paper because back then UNLV used to have a, uh, hospitality innovation lab where they involved esports. And when I was doing some research, I learned that, um, Esports players can experience adrenaline and cortisol levels as high as like a NASCAR racing driver. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm curious too. Like to that question, what is sport to the older generation? Like, what would you define sport as for the ad- like advocating the other side or that people that might not think that? Yeah, uh, you're not asking me, are you? No, not at all. Just <laughs> yeah. asking you to play devil's advocate against <laughs> yeah. us. Against, I yeah, guess. yeah. Um, I, I will ask you. I want to ask you this uh, as well, Chantel. You're a member of the Nevada Esports Education League. That's correct. Uh, what is that? What do they do? So we are basically a nonprofit organization that focuses on empowering students from K-12 all the way up to college, and we're basically empowering them to focus on or be interested in careers in esports and. Um, roles revolving around esports because we know that only so few people can really be high level players when it comes to esports, ideally, or as we've seen, not everybody can be the best player because if everybody was the best player, there wouldn't be the best player. Right. So there's other things you can do, um, like broadcasting, you know, like commentary, being a caster, and, you know, he's a, a Daniel team manager, right? Team member, like having management skills. Um, marketing and advertisement, digital media. So we advocate to uh, pursue those different roles or be a competitive player. Um, We've done a lot of tournaments and a lot of uh, events around the city. Um, This past December, we actually did host an end of the year scholarship tournament for Super Smash Brothers. And thanks to the people at HyperX, we were able to host that end of the year scholarship tournament uh, at HyperX. And basically the winner got scholarship money. Wow. Is this something you want to go into somehow after college? I I believe so. I I do want to pursue that. Right now I'm focusing on my computer engineering degree, and that's been taking so much of my time. And I'm in my last stretch. I'm in my last two semesters of the year looking to graduate in fall of 2024. Oh, computer engineering. Isn't that simple? I'm kidding. You know, you, you've also had a lot of experience competing in esports. Uh, you've made the top three in a lot of local events here. Is this something 
Uh, can you make money on this? Yes, actually, yes. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, it, it, it's not much because the scaling of the pricing at HyperX when it comes to these local events on Fridays, uh, they call it Knockdown. That's HyperX's weekly fighting game tournament that they host uh, on Friday evenings. But um, a few weeks ago, before Tekken 8 released, we had one final tournament at HyperX for Tekken 7, the previous version of Tekken. And I did get second place during that time. And yes, yeah, you could definitely make money. It might not be like a huge sum of money, but there's definitely been big pools. Um, One I do want to mention is that there was this tournament, I believe, in Saudi Arabia called Gamers 8. And it was like an international 3v3 tournament for Tekken 7. And I believe it was like a million dollar prize pool. Wow. So... There, there can be big money involved. Wow. And you mentioned Daniel. You're talking about Daniel Shehab. He is a team manager and competitive director at UNLV. Daniel, welcome to the program. Hi there. Good morning. Good. It's great great to have you here. So uh, talk about your interest in esports and how you got involved in it and, and how you became a team manager, not just here, but at Arizona State University. Yeah. So, oh, okay. So sorry. Yeah. So I first got involved in esports more so on like a casual level. So back in 2014, I got looped into League of Legends when it was not in like its infantile stage or anything, but it was very early on. Um, and from then on, I played it very casually. I treated it <clears throat> I treated it more so as something that I would play with friends. You know, I was never that competitive person. I found greater joy in just having fun with friends rather than, you know, seeing gratification in terms of rank. And that's just me. Uh, I think the joy in esports is being able to enjoy both perspectives, both on a casual and a competitive level. Um, So from then on, I went, you know, I went on to college at UNLV. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I deal in medicine. Like I majored in pre-professional biology at UNLV. I I minored in psychology. So to me, I can understand how it might seem like a bit weird because you have like this person wanting to be a doctor going into esports. And I also think that's something that's really great about esports because it appeals to like basically everyone. You know, it is such a diverse and open environment that can, you know, that is applicable to like so many different people. So near the end of the pandemic. So, well, I mean, yeah. So near the end of uh, the pandemic, uh, at the end of 2021, like December of 2021, Mm -hmm. I reached out to Rebel Gaming at UNLV and I asked if there were any positions that I could take on in like team management. And luckily enough for me, there was a position open to take on a team manager position in League of Legends, you know, the game that I primarily dealt with at the time. So... I went on to uh, deal with one of the teams at UNLV, and from then on, I kind of took over the entire thing. Um, so from the prior semester, we had two teams, and since then, we have merged into one team. So, you know, since, like, the end of 2021 until now, it's been more so, like, I am the person who oversees the entirety of like the League of Legends sphere of Rebel Gaming outside of our other titles and like Valorant um, and Overwatch primarily. What, what, do, what does a team manager do? I mean, you're not uh, washing towels and, and picking up their uh, dirty laundry or anything. What do you do? 
No, 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 no. I, <laughs> I'm not their mother. <laughs> so um, from my perspective as a team manager, I have the mindset that I want to make things as easy or as easy for my players as possible. So I deal with rallying their schedules. I organize their schedules. I communicate with each of them asking what their expectations are, how many times they want to scrim, uh, scrim a week. Um, Scrimmage. Yeah, scrimmages. Um, what else they would want to do during their time at UNLV within, you know, within a collegiate esports team. Um, and from then on, I communicate with our coaches. They meet with the players as well. Uh, we find, depending on the title, because I work in both League of Legends and Valorant, uh, we, you know, talk strategies. We discuss, you know, with each player, what champions or what characters they are best at or what they prefer to play. Huh. And from then on, we organize, we scrimmage, we enter tournaments, and it's just a rinse and repeat cycle from there. So there's coaching. Are, are, is everybody who does this, who's part of it, uh, like in the 20-year-old range? I mean, are, are there, are, there aren't old grizzled coaches, you know, who've been playing video games since the 80s, are there? I mean, what's that look like? I think in modern esports, there is a heavier focus on the younger demographic mm -hmm. um, because esports is so like rapidly evolving because there are so many new the ad title additions that get added because there are so many you know younger individuals who attempt to enter you know the the whole sphere of both collegiate and then moving from collegiate into the more professional scene i believe that it's more geared towards that that younger demographic. Okay. But I have definitely seen a lot of coaches and directors who are much older, um, who are actually prior staff members of a university who are also interested in esports. And again, that ties back into the thing that I mentioned earlier, where it's like esports applies to literally everyone. If you have an interest in games, you'll probably want to see the more competitive side of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to see the best. Yeah. Are, are the, uh, is there a lot of interest at UNLV? Oh, yeah, I mean, for I mean, sure. Give me an idea of how many students want to be a part of it. Do you have tryouts? I mean, what's it like? So the typical pipeline for trying out. Um, so you do have guess, to try out. Yes. So we do host tryouts. So with any team, you do host tryouts. Um so I guess I can go back to like Rebel Gaming at UNLV. Um, I think currently we host probably over 1,000 members, I would say. Wow. Which is like a very considerable portion, I would say, of UNLV as a whole. Um, and a lot of that population kind of caters to the more casual part of it. And then stemming from that are the collegiate teams who play on a more competitive level. So... The usual pipeline of it is that we will announce tryouts for each title, each respective title. So each team manager organizes the times and dates, um, and we host tryouts usually every fall because most tournaments in general function on a yearly basis. So you have a roster that you finalize by probably early to midway through like the fall semester, and then you keep that roster until the next fall semester. So that gives them plenty of time to enter all of the tournaments that function on a seasonal basis. You want to give them, you know, all of the opportunities that there are possible. Um, and from then on, once the decision is made, we, you know, spend time as a team. I or 
me as a team manager, I organize their schedules, I, org I organize their scrimmages, I organize their matches. And, you know, again, I just want to make things as easy, as easy as possible for my players. So from then on, they just play their hearts out. Is, uh, you know, I, I play video games. To me, it's relaxing. It's yeah. something that takes my mind off everything. But uh, I've never just focusing on one game. Is it best to for players who want to get really good at this to have played a game like uh, Chantel did with Tekken, like most of their lives? I mean, it, it, you know, the way people do a sport, they'll play peewee football or peewee baseball from a very early age. And then by the time they're in college, they're really, really good at it. Is that is that how it works for some of the best esports players? Oh, for sure. Um the, I would say the norm is that all of the individuals who showcase these uh, these skills that are you know equivalent to a semi-pro or pro level are cultivated at a very young age, um, because that's when you know that's when children get the most exposure to like these types of games, and from then on, that exposure kind of culminates into into skill that you take on to similar titles. I'm not saying that, like, for Chantel's case, for example, I'm not saying that all fighting games are similar. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. Yeah. Um, like, I'm not saying that they're, like, all the same or even relatively similar, but having a background in a game growing up yeah. makes it so much easier for you to delve into other interests, especially if it's, like, the same title. Yeah. You know? Yeah, fighting, I mean, games in general are, are a discipline that is like fighting. It's like, if you boxed growing up, you probably will have a better time becoming a jiu-jitsu you know, like learning what they're doing, understanding what the mechanics were, what the wind conditions are, like analyzing the game states. Like if you're doing that from a young age, by the time you're 17, 18, when you're at your peak, uh, you know, when your hands are at your peak, as these, you know, we would say in, in, the, in the circles is uh, like. Is that the peak age for uh, eye hand coordination? I mean, I just feel like you see a lot of 17, 18 year olds right now that are yeah. making the case for that to be oh, so. Yeah. I mean, wow. right now, the best, I guess the most famous uh, and considered the greatest gamer of all time akin to like a LeBron James of our generation will be Faker, which he's 27. Does anybody know his real name? I mean, yes, but it's a Korean name. I don't <laughs> want to butcher butcher young man. Yeah, I wouldn't want to butcher that. Yeah, because no. he's actually the GOAT, so. <laughs> um, yeah. Greatest but of like all he's, time. He, but just the fact that he's been, he, he first came into the league at 17. Um, and the fact that he's been there for 10 years at the top amazing. is what makes him so amazing and that's just never been the case. It's very difficult to be at the top for that yeah, long. Austin, I want to ask you this. You, you've mentioned you're going to be part of a panel discussion with the Golden Knights, the Aces, and others. What's the focus of that panel? And I, I guess it, it it does signal sort of the prominence of esports. Yeah, I, this panel is at the uh, Sports Video Group Summit that they're having here in March. Um, sports Video Group, as you know, are the kings of traditional sports broadcasts. They, you know, have... I've been those blazer guys that you see behind the scenes of all your favorite traditional sports broadcasts. And now they've added on an esports segment. They've added on entire esports uh, focused panels for what they're doing. So like you're saying, the tides are changing. Uh, the ocean that is sports entertainment is got a big fresh intake of water from the esports community coming in and they're welcoming it. So I'm going to be there talking about how Vegas venues are the most electric in the entire world, uh, including the HyperX Arena. We're just like Allegiant. We're on par with Michelob Ultra. We're right in the same vein as all those major venues out here. And um, like you're saying, people are starting to realize it. We have about a minute left, you know, but I, I want to ask you this. I've lived here a long time. I hear very little about esports or the arena. 
Are there barriers to getting the word out? I mean, why, why do you think I haven't heard more about it? I hear about the NFL, the NHL, the WNBA, and the potential of NBA, but not a lot about esports, even though it is really growing. Yeah, I think that it was an issue with, you know, kind of being one of those COVID bubble experiences. It got a lot of interest when everybody was locked in and a lot of money that was tied to very speculative experiences. And we're seeing that now as that's kind of gone away and real things are coming back into place. Those those true tried and true blue chips are looking to esports to be a facilitator for their growth. So, uh, you know, I think that that's a big part of it. I think the next coming years, you're going to hear nothing but HyperX Arena, Allied Esports and all the things that we're doing here in the Valley. Just got to spread more awareness about it. You know, football's been part of our society for a really long time. So esports, that's their time to shine. Oh, for sure. And that that is all the time we have today. I want to thank Austin Champion, Daniel Shehab and Chantelle Labajo.